All right, how are we doing, everybody? All right, we're in a series called How to Be Rich, and if you're thinking it's the How to Get Rich uh, sermon series, you're wrong. It's rather that you already are rich, and uh, this is, or if you would like to be rich, this is how you live as a rich person, okay? So I want to get that through your mind. A little clickbait there for everybody. Okay, so uh, one of the things that I love to do is uh, questions. I love questions. I love questions, and every week I get to answer all the questions on Pastor Plex podcast. That's me, Pastor Plex, and I would love to engage you with anything you got, even if it's a little bit snarky. I, I will do those snarky questions, so love to do that. Um, we are moving forward, and one of the things that I want to celebrate, one is Juneteenth. We celebrated our first official Juneteenth yesterday. Pretty exciting. Yeah, that's pretty great. Give it up for... Uh, abolishing slavery and freeing slaves. That's a big win. And then also today is Father's Day. And so I'm super grateful. If you've had a dad, raise your hand. All right, everybody. So you have somebody to celebrate. And um, I'm excited about that for you. Uh, And then also, guess what? This week is Backyard Bible Club Week. And if you have no idea what that means, there should be little cards all over the place that give you like dates or um, dates give you locations and times for our Backyard Bible Club. I think we said this earlier. It's kind of like, instead of asking the whole community of non-Christians to come to a church uh, to experience Jesus, we would go to the community to put on Backyard Bible Club uh, or Vacation Bible School, if that's the only sort of thing you can wrap your head around. Uh, And we do it in yards where our neighbors who would never darken the door of a church might come. And so that's the heart behind that. Super excited about that. All right, back to the thought of being rich. Um, A couple years ago, we were uh, given opportunity, my family was given opportunity, and you may have seen them all arrayed up here, all four of my boys, but back about five years ago, we had uh, two boys. One was, uh, Austin was two, and Jet was a newborn. And at that time, Austin uh, did not sleep. I mean, his, like, it, it, sometimes Adrian would walk down the street to get away from the screaming that she just never, like, then she wasn't sure. Like, I don't know if any of your parents have done this. You're not sure if it's your kid's screaming or if it's in your head after a while. You know what I'm talking about? All right. So then, uh, and so then we had Jet who stopped drinking milk at six months. And so we had to do like little food pouches, like from that six months forward. It was brutal. So we were kind of in an exhausted state. And so this um, um, military family camp called me. And they said, hey, we'd love to have you and your family come out and speak to our uh, former military, current military uh, families out in Pennsylvania. And I go, Adrian, isn't this a great opportunity? They're willing to pay for all this. It's free flights, free food, free childcare. <laughs> and I'll never forget, she goes, tell them no. And I go, why? I haven't slept And I don't know how long. And you're telling me they're going to take my kid? That's a lie. You're telling me that they're going to make sure we get there? I'm telling you, we're going to be stuck on a tarmac somewhere for an hour and a half, and our kid's going to be screaming. And what are they going to do then? Nothing. And I'm like, okay, maybe we're at a little bit of age. I mean, I should not ask. This is a bad time to ask. All right. And so we kind of were like, we're we're not going. And and here, can I just tell you the reason why? After I kind of flesh out, here's the reason we weren't doing it. Even though it was completely free, even though they promised ultimate everything you could ever want, uh, Adrian and I go, no. And here was the reason. We said, we valued the little comfort we had, and we didn't want to risk it, okay? Two, 
we didn't really know if the people really valued us and we could really trust them. And three, we didn't really believe the promises of the incredible values of all the free things of food, childcare, lodging, all the things. There was just like, nah, there's something they're not telling us. And so, uh, you know, these are West Point people who in general don't lie, cheat, or steal, or tolerate those who do. That was just, it didn't even matter. That, that part didn't even matter. We were like not believing it. And here's what I wanted you to see is that, um, watch this, it's back to this thought. Here's, here's why that you struggle when it comes to investing in the destination over the journey, right? Because that was our struggle. We, we couldn't see the, we couldn't invest in that destination because the journey to get there was too hard. Because I think for some of us, um, we look at that and we're like, nah, I don't know if we'll ever really get to that destination. I mean, it might be amazing, but for us to get there, to even think about that, that's so far off, that's so far removed from my current circumstance. And when I think about destination, I think about heaven. I'm like, heaven is like so far off. I, I don't think I'll ever get there, all right? And um, we treasure our comfort. I treasure comfort over, well, not having comfort, having a screaming kid on a tarmac, okay? Or uh, we don't believe that God treasures us. The reason we don't invest in heavenly things to advance his kingdom, we're like, what's in it for me? And I don't know if you've looked at my life, you, I would say, where has God been? And then finally, we've been taught this. We've been taught this. Treasure the journey over the destination. Life's not about the destination, it's about the You've heard that a billion times, and I can't think of anything more stupid than that statement. No, no, here's why. Here's why. Because, and, and listen, it's all about context and semantics, I know. But ultimately, what you're saying is where you go does not matter. It's just, are you growing while you're getting there? That makes zero sense. Because I don't, listen, maybe you haven't spent an hour and a half on a tarmac with four screaming kids. Maybe you haven't done that yet. But that's not about the journey. It's about the destination. I want to get home. Okay, so I, I feel like we've put so much into the journey. Why? Because no one believes the destination is coming. Nobody believes the destination could be that good. Heaven is for chumps. Is essentially what you're saying when you say it's all about the journey. And I want us to be a people that wrap our head around what God has for us that's greater than temporary comfort or satisfaction. All right, that's where we're going this morning. Um, I'm going to be praying, and then we're going to be jumping into Luke chapter 12, and we're going to be starting at verse 13. So if you don't have a Bible, there might be one kind of stuck under a seat in front of you, uh, or pull out your device, and let's join me at Luke 12, and then let's pray and ask God to bless his word. Father, thank you for your word. I'm so grateful that we are uh, investigating what it is to seek out your ultimate destination, which is heaven, and where if we know you, we have a free ride there. And investing in your kingdom is ultimately the greatest thing in the world that we could ever do. But God, it gets hard. And so God, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to really believe the truth about who you are as a father 
as we dig into your word. As we dig into your word this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, here we go. Luke 12, we're going to start verse 13. Dude in the crowd. I love anytime there's someone in the crowd asks him a random question. It kind of makes it like a talk show. And if you're a disciple, right, here's what's great about disciples. Disciples knew not to ask questions. After a while, they learn, if I ask questions, I become an object lesson. And that is what happens whenever you uh, ask Jesus a question. So someone in the crowd said to him, and he asks a legit question, teacher, tell my brother to divide inheritance with me. This is what rabbis did. They settled like family economic disputes. They were like in the middle. Listen, they do, did marriage counseling 2,000 years ago like we do today. And so the question usually is, I don't get too many, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I get, teacher, tell my husband what he needs to do is, and then they fill in the blank for me. That's usually what I get. All right, so teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? To which you're like, aren't you like the judge of the whole universe, king of the universe? Like, this is sort of the whole point. I feel like I'm going to lose this one if I answer it. So he keeps quiet, which was good. But the implication of his question is, my life would be better if I had more money. Okay, that's the implication he's saying. And then so Jesus is want to really kind of go down that focus. So he's using this guy to teach that lesson. And he said to them, watch, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. That is covetousness is jealousy or envy. All right. So when you see something, you're like, how come I don't have that? That, that, that should be mine. Why are they? Have you seen their car? I need a car like that. All right. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of, of his possessions. So he kind of, he gives them like the bottom line up front. And now he's going to tell a story. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. To which everyone's like, yeah, that's a hard problem. It'd be kind of, I mean, and this is like one of those things, like who says this, right? Nobody says, it's like saying, you know what? I've just got so much money. And I've got over $250,000 in my bank. In fact, I've got several million over. And so I need to diversify because we only know the first 250 is only FDIC insured. So what am I going to do? I know I'll go talk to several banks and I'll put my banks in several, I'll put my money in several banks. When? And that's exactly what this guy does, only he does it differently. He says, well, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones. Now, Maybe he had a, I don't know if he had a land problem. He just couldn't build more. Like, why did he have to tear down the old ones to build the new ones? I don't know. It seems like, a, a, like I don't know, you could have reused the lumber, but I guess at this point, you're, or he, maybe he wanted to reuse the lumber, or maybe he just was like, I'm so loaded, I can't ever look like I wasn't loaded. I don't know. There was just something there that I felt like, ah, interesting. And so there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax eat, drink, be merry. And I thought that was fascinating. And, and, and here's why. It's like, I, my life now can be like a cruise ship. I have stored up, and so now it's a all-you-can-eat, all-you-can-drink, all-inclusive vacation for the rest of your life. No, 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 do, do you see this? Like, this is, and honestly, 
not very few of us are actually getting angry at this guy. We're just getting angry at him because Jesus is about to, you know, throw him down. He's like the, you know. But for most of us, isn't this how we think? Once I have enough, then I will, what? Do all the things that really God's calling me to do. And so what we're saying, once I can live here, then I can start using my money like that. And what, I think that's just the, listen, this is how we're all wired. We all think like this. If I could just get, we've all said it. You have ample goods, laid up for many years, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And then God says to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, the, these new barns and all the grain stored up, whose will they be? Remember, remember the guy who originally asked this was the guy who wanted to divide inheritance? He's going to say, like, listen, even if you get inheritance, someone else is going to get it eventually. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Jesus warned people not to treasure comfort over purpose. Now, I want you to see the, the comfort over purpose part because I feel like this is the part you don't see. He made his whole purpose about serving himself. He made his whole purpose all about him. And so, all your stuff, if it's all about you, is eventually going to end up in somebody else's house or in the dump. We all know that. I don't care how awesome your refrigerator that you just got is, eventually that thing is going in the dump. Your car will eventually be crushed. Have you guys seen those like car crushing things in the, in like the, and they smash down and it gets compressed. And then maybe it'll get used for some future material thing of metal thingies. But most likely it's just going to sit there in a junkyard for a long, 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 long time uh, as people try and make more room with less car, or more, less car out of more room, something like that. It, you get my point. The reality is that everything gets into somebody else's possession or into a junkyard. Now, so let's go here for a second and, and talk about this. So what do we do in the meantime? I think here's what happens to us. Let me explain it best with um, my world who I have right here. All right, my trusty two. Pax, you doing okay? So Paxton is two, and he screams a lot. In fact, uh, the reason he, he's here right now is because I think you just didn't, you wanted to spare children's ministry. Yeah. So you wanted to spare children's ministry just another good solid hour of screaming. And so as long as he's with mommy or daddy, usually daddy, honestly, uh, it's, he is doing okay. All right? He's doing okay. But then the second you put him into his crib, and when I say crib, um, I should probably say our solitary confinement apparatus. Uh, because we have to zip him into it so he can't escape. Because he is amazing at finding ways out of the crib. Okay, so you put him in there, and then he is like, at first it was sort of funny. He would just climb out, and we're like, sweet, he can feed himself, you know? And then, you know, he'd be on top of the pantry, on top of the refrigerator. And then we got a little bit like, we're going to have a lot of medical bills here, and we just don't have time for that. All right, and so, um, so then we got a mesh like thing that he can breathe through. So don't worry, any anxiety out of. <laughs> and we zip him into that anytime he goes to sleep. Now, uh, if you put him in there and you don't give him said passy and blanket or blankie, 
All right, then the screams will last until you go and give him blanket and passy. But if you do give him blanket and passy, he'll, after about 10 minutes, he'll stop crying. It is a beautiful thing. Now, watch this. What happens with us is for a lot of us, there are things that provide us a security blanket that soothes our hearts to find rest. And what amount is that? It might be, I need enough money to buy enough guns so I feel protected. It might be, I need enough money to have my HSA account because you just never know. And I feel like that's where we go. And the struggle therein is that um, we start to treasure our comfort over our purpose. And, so, and, and because this is where I think a lot of us, I think John Piper wrote a book like a gazillion years ago, um, probably like 10 years ago or so. And uh, it was like, don't waste your life. And it kind of, this opening scene of that book was like a couple on the beach, holding hands, collecting seashells. And that was like, they were spending their retirement in Florida and they were enjoying life. And it, it kind of sets it up like, oh, isn't that sweet? A, ro- a romantic moment for an older couple that are enjoying each other. And then, <laughs> then at the very end of it, it's an abrupt like, what a waste. And I was like, well, that was a weird way to transition. And his whole point was, if, if your whole life is saved up so you can eventually relax, eat, drink, and be merry, you are a fool. Because there is a greater purpose other than you that God has sent you on a mission on. And if you get wrapped up in you, you will always not have enough. And you will always be worried that you might run out because there's no engagement with the God of the universe. And maybe the reason there is no God engagement with the God of the universe is you don't know the God of the universe because once you knew him, it would change everything about you. In fact, watch these next verses. Okay, ready? Watch this. Look at um, Luke 12, starting at verse 22. And he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now, remember, we went from dividing inheritance, kind of like maybe first world problems, right? To like, don't be anxious about living. Like, this is like everybody problems. Everybody this. I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. To which everyone's like, yeah, yeah, but you still need those things. And then Jesus does something that, I don't know if it's irritating or just unbelievably and profound. It kind of might be a little bit of both. He's like, consider the ravens. And we're like, oh, come on, Jesus, pull out the granola phase here, right? I mean, consider, ra- like, I got to pay bills. What's looking at ravens going to do? And he goes off on a whole thing about ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. And then he goes, of how much more value are you than the birds? To which, honestly, I go, well, okay, when I think of ravens, I don't really think ravens, because I don't, I don't know if I actually see ravens very often, but you know what I do see? The little grackle thingies that hang out at Walmart. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
And those things are absolutely disgusting. Has anyone else seen those? I mean, like they battle each other and then they're like fighting over French fries in the parking lot. Okay, so when I think of that, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll take a little bit more value than them. But here's the reality is that God's providing for those grackles. Maybe it might be the dumpster from the back of Walmart, but they don't know it's a dumpster for them. It's like Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, right? I mean, they are living large. They're not having to work for the food. They don't even think about it. There's Walmart. It's always been here, always will be. They don't think about it, but watch this. And Jesus says something. How much more valuable are you than birds? Okay, okay. And then you're like, okay, I I guess I am way more awesome than birds. And then he says this. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Because there's this problem that we have. We get anxious. And we think that if we had more money, we'd be less anxious. But what's weird, the more money we get, the more anxiety we seem to have. Because what happens is money is a tool. Did you guys know money is a tool? It's like a brick or a hammer. You know, uh, a, a hammer is great. I can use a hammer and I can build a house with that hammer. And I could build, you know, Adrian is like a champ. She builds all sorts of crazy stuff at our house. You should see our, uh, we got some cats. And she built a cat house. It's awesome. <laughs> and I'm serious when I say that. <laughs> Sorry. All right. But you, so you could build, you could build like a cat house, all right? <laughs> because we have lots of cats now. I'm so grateful for all these cats. All right, I'm sorry. That was, no, all right, so you, you, can buy, you can build a cat house, all right, with a hammer. Or, or you can go down to uh, Barton Creek Mall, smash a jewelry store, and grab some jewelry. In the hands of a master craftsman, you can make a cat house. Or in the hands of a master cat burglar, you can steal uh, an entire set of jewels, all right? So either way, it's a tool. And what can happen if we start worshiping the tool that is... The, the thing, right? Money is just a tool. It can be used to do great things or it can be used to do dark things. And what happens, we start worrying about it. It becomes the thing that's going to expand our span of life. And here's what I know about God's word. It says the days of our lives are already written. So even if you go vegan, you are not going to expand your life any further. No offense to vegans anywhere. And so uh, I, I just want us to kind of wrap that, that thought around our heart and our head. Now, look, consider the lilies. Which you're like, oh, gosh, we, ravens, lilies. Okay, Jesus. And he's like, consider the lilies, how they grow. Aww. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. How do we know this? There are people who would take lots of pictures of lilies. I mean, lots, and there'll be no people in them. And then they won't even remember where they were, but they'll take the pictures. And so there's this part of it where it's like, that, that is true, there, we can be absorbed with the beauty of lilies. But God takes care of people more than lilies, right? So if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown to the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O oh, you, of little faith? which now we're like, so you're saying God's going to provide? Yes. That's what we're saying. But he's going he's to take it a step further. 
He said, don't, do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried for the nations of the world. All the people that don't know God, that's what they do. They seek after these things. And then we're going to come to our Father's Day point here. And your Father knows that you need them. And this word means a lot of things to a lot of people. And the connotation that Jesus was trying to deliver is that you dads, even though you're sort of pathetic at being a dad, compared to God, like you know how to do this. But your Father in heaven, who is perfect, who is way wealthier than your dad, no matter how wealthy your dad is, he is going to take care of you. And here's the struggle. Here's the struggle. We have a, we're a nation of daddy issues. Okay? We're a nation of daddy issues, either because of abuse or neglect. And listen, this is my Father's Day moment for my dads in here. If you are a father, you, for the first portion of your fatherhood, you are a proxy for God. Okay? You're a proxy for God. You are standing in the space where God stands. And one, you're way taller than them. So to them, you look like a giant. Okay, and you can lift things like boulders and rocks and children and people and things, and you can lift things, and you have all the money in the world. Like, they can't even conceive of, like, anything that you couldn't buy. You are like, you know, you essentially can do everything, and everything in your home is your domain, and you rule. So you are a proxy for God. And the way that you are a proxy for God is going to affect how that child then grows up to be a man or woman and the way that they view God. So if you are a tyrant at home and you lose your mind, they're going to look at God. It's very angry. I mean, losing it all the time, frustrated, anger, like, you know, the, the, the deep, dark stuff. And so they develop a fear of a father. And when they read the father here, they're going, the father knows what you need. I need a beating. Like, that, that's kind of where you go with that. Or if you're absent, neglectful, just not around, the father knows what you need. No, he doesn't. And if he does, he's just completely ignorant or powerless. I don't know what kind of God I signed up for. You with me? That's what happens. So this, this becomes important because the reason why you hold on to your money and, like, freak out about it is because you don't know the father. You don't know him. Because once you know him and you know how treasured and valuable you are, like how much he, he doesn't just like sort of like you. He is obsessed with you so much so, watch this, that he would send his son Jesus to die on a cross so that the relationship between God and man could be restored so he could be a right father to you and speak to you and love you and connect with you. And I think what has happened to us if we've had a skewed view of dad because things haven't been so great at home. And here it is. He's going to go on, watch. So seek his kingdom. These things are going to be, look, if you, if, if you get after your dad's kingdom, trust me, things go well. Why? Why? Watch. Instead, seek his kingdom. And these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So why do you invest in the kingdom? Out of pure selfish motives, you're going to receive the kingdom. If you want to advance kingdom, you're advancing your own agenda. And this is the part where we go, 
I don't know if, that's, if he's my father. Because again, if I don't trust my dad, I don't want to put any money in my dad's stuff. But if my dad's been good, and our perfect heavenly father is so good, and if he's been in tune with us, and he says, trust me in this, I have the best place for your materialism to get, to, to get completely eradicated if you advance my kingdom, which will one day be yours. So Jesus reminded people how much the Father treasured them. And I think what's hard for us is um, when it comes to how much the Father treasures us, we think in terms of the stuff we don't have. Let me give you an example. So um, we have four boys and as, you know, and apparently three cats. Uh, And we also... uh, we're not like, uh, like screen Nazis. Like we are kind of like, you know what? Go for it, do it. And what we realized with Austin is that when he got into screen time, like he got into screen time. Like it was like, and it like took over his brain. And he went from being a sweet, uh, respectful, uh, energetic boy to just like a zombie apocalypse moment, right? He's just like, I food! You know, like he lost all ability to talk. He was playing Pokemon Adventure or something. And then so like all his whole world was different Pokemon and he was ready to destroy with, you know, Barbelglast or something that he was going to do to whatever person, right? So that was sort of the reality. And so what we did was we, uh, Adrian and I, we decided to take away screen time and make it to the afternoon. There was, you could not look at a screen before 1.30. And at first, you know what happened? Where's my precious? <laughs> right, that, I mean, it was full Lord of the Rings right there for a moment. And, and so what happened is that he, there was a part where we had to pull his brain out of that because he becomes so into the screen. And it hurt a little bit to not have the screen. But then I, I asked him uh, this week, I go, hey, how's it gone since we've, you know, taking away your screen time till the afternoon. He's like, man, I feel way happier. I was like, wow. I was expecting him to be like, oh, you guys are just, bah. he goes, I feel happy. I was like, wow. Man. Who knew? Parenting works. I, you know, I just didn't, like, <laughs> I didn't realize that was a thing. I, what, what happens is, watch, what he learned was he got more time with the family, hence more time with the father, more time with his mom, more time with his brothers, more time to be creative and adventurous in his own brain, and it was really healing and healthy. And here's what I think happens. When we get obsessed with the money, uh, and then sometimes it's taken away, we're reminded that that's not the thing anymore. We need a reset on that. Because I feel like some of us here, you're like, no, no, Chris, you don't understand. If I just got that job, I promise things would be way better. No, no. Be content with where you're at. Be content first, job later. Life goes like that, not the other way around. Because if it goes the other way around, it's dependent upon circumstance and your whole hope is you better keep that job. That next job, the one that you, if I just got that job or that promotion or that thing, you better keep it because you lose it. You're back where you were before. And so then all of a sudden you start to obsess over that job and then you're like, I just need another job because this job is not working because I'm just so obsessed about it. I'm just like so in tune. And then, then you're like, if I could just get another job. All of a sudden, that's what, how life goes. That's how life goes. So here's, here's, here's the reason why I think we struggle 
with like the treasure being in heaven. It's partly because we're so obsessed with earth. But for the most part, if everybody was equal, we'd look around and we would feel no, like everyone had the same and there'd be no issues, right? Like I just, because we don't, we want everyone to get by. We just don't want them to get by us. That's the problem. I remember when we were, I was at West Point, you know, everyone had uniforms. So, and uh, we had a barracks arrangement guide. So you had to fold your socks a certain way. And each, for example, each company had the sock, either your socks were smiling or frowny face, depending if we either we beat Navy or not, right? So, uh, and so you put your socks in the drawer. Everyone had the socks the same exact way. Socks, underwear were folded with trifold underwear, pretty, uh, one, two, three, and then fold in half. And so you'd fold everything perfectly. Everything was the same. And so you didn't know where anybody came from. Their background was completely irrelevant because you couldn't see it. So whether they're wealthy or poor, you had no idea. And one of my uh, roommates, uh, was, his name was Jesus Terrones. And Jesus was, um, and I didn't know this until after we were roommates, he was a migrant farmer growing up. Do you guys know what that is? That's where uh, he and his family would uh, go throughout South Texas picking fruit every summer. And that's how they would sort of survive. And then, you know, they'd go back to Houston and then they'd, they'd live trying to make ends meet. And uh, he would live in a car, uh, you know, his whole family in a little car all summer, every summer, picking fruit because that was his life. In fact, one of the things that was interesting about him is he, he would like brush his teeth like five times a day. And I'd be like, bro, what's up with all the teeth brushing? And he's like, well, when you grow up like I did, we knew we would never have dental care, ever. And so my dad said, you better brush your teeth after every time you eat food, because no matter what you do, we will never be able to fix your teeth. And so he was just obsessed with it. What was so neat about that is I just never knew that that was his background, because we were all treated the same. We were all like just one big, you know, army blob while we were there. But it was beautiful to see how, he, now he's like, he works for Big Oil in Houston, so he's, he's doing really well for himself. It's been amazing to kind of watch that. But the reason why he has known that so well is because the way he knew his father valued him. So that the things that he taught him, my daddy always said, if you ever had that, that's, you got a great dad, if you got it, so my daddy always said. And what I want you to hear is that your daddy always says that he values you. He wants to give you the kingdom. And the next time you're like, I need to, and if I don't, if I can't, I need this to run through your heart and your head. My father values me. So watch. Last bit. Sell your possessions. Give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old. And if you're like, money bags? No, this is when you traveled, you had money bags and you'd sort of tie the bags around you and your body so that no one could pickpocket you. You know, it's kind of like money belts nowadays. If you go like, if you have to go to Africa, for example, and you have to carry cash, you're going to take a chest, you know, a chest of cash so that if, you know, if they're getting your money, they're ripping your clothes off. That's essentially how it is. And so like, don't, put, don't provide money bags, money bags that don't grow old because a money bag that grows old is going to be a hole and you're going to lose your money with a treasure in the heavens. And this is the part we struggle because you're like, ah, treasure in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. And then he lands the plane for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so that becomes the question, where's your heart? Is your heart in the destination? 
of kingdom of God? Or is your heart in the journey where I got to have some sweet money bags to kind of get me there because I got to make sure it goes well? I want first class on the ride, but I don't want to spend any money on the place where I'm going. Like if anyone said, like, hey, we're going to take this great vacation or we're going to go this, we're going to go live in a new place. We're just going to go like all out and get our own private plane, spend everything we have on the plane, and we're going to go live in a shack. You'd be like, what? That makes no sense. Why would you spend all your money on the journey and not the destination? Same sort of mindset, only it's a little bit different. You see, Jesus calls us to treasure destination over journey. Kingdom of God over your daily life of getting there. Because here's what I know. This past weekend's gone. And all the, all the things that I did yesterday with family and friends, it's gone. And eventually there'll be a day where, all, where I will be gone and I will be with God. And everybody here will one day not be here. I mean, there's, we're 100% chance of dying. 100%. And so what are you going to do? Are you going to invest in the destination or are you going to invest in the journey? And remember, this isn't like a you can pay your way into heaven. That's not my heart for you. My heart is to have a different mindset about your money as a tool to advance kingdom as opposed to the thing that you feel like is going to expand your life and you end up worshiping it. The thing that's going to expand your, wife is your, expand your life is your father. It would be really awkward to expand your wife. We don't even go there. All right. So watch this. Watch this. So we ended up Actually, they, they did prevail upon us, the family camp for the military family camp. They prevailed upon us, and they said, please come. And out of a leap of faith, Adrian, with all doubts, and like, this is never going to work, and it's never going to happen, we got on the plane. And, you know, it wasn't exactly easy, but we got there. And there were actual people who knew how to take care of our kids, and they would take our baby. We didn't even know where our baby was. And we were like, that's fine. You know, like, it didn't matter. We're like, I don't know. It's fine. I'm sure it'll all work out. Like there was a leap of faith going on in several different ways. And they had food there and we ate the food and we stayed there and it, was, it worked out. And we've been going there for the past five years. Now, here's what I do know is that because we value that destination so much, the journey now, the investment to get there is no big deal. And the, honestly, watch this. To get there, it's gonna be a struggle because now we're a family of six. It's now twice as hard to go than compared to when it was before. But because we, watch this, because we trust the people there, because we know the destination is worth it, we're willing to suffer a little bit to invest. It's not a sacrifice. To invest in the destination. Remember, anytime you delay data gratification for something, that's not sacrifice. That's investment. So stop thinking you're sacrificing. Think about you're investing. Because if you start thinking about how much you've sacrificed to give to God's kingdom, it that's like, that seems weird. But if you think about it, this is an investment to push God's kingdom forward, or it's an investment of like the specific thing. That, it changes the way you think about it, right? Okay, so here we go. So we, we actually are now are trying to figure out how we can get from DC. We haven't even figured these plans out. We're going to go again in July. Uh, when, uh, when we're going to go in July, and we have to figure out how to get to, from DC to, because um, they, they took care of the flight, but they didn't take care of the part from DC to middle of Pennsylvania. So we're like, we're looking up like different rental cars. It's minimum a thousand dollars. We're like, maybe we can hitchhike or maybe I got some classmates that we could drive us. Like, and listen, we're the people who said, we don't want to spend another hour and a half on the tarmac, but because we know how great the destination is, we're willing to have an experience of an investing to get there. Because maybe watch this, if you receive Christ, if you've, if you've gotten that free gift, that he died on the cross for you, he rose from the dead, and you've experienced on this side of heaven that joy. 
It changes everything. And wouldn't you want to invest in that kingdom more than anything? It changes the way you view poor people. Remember, the Bible says this, if you lend or if you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. And I don't know if you're going to receive the the ROI in heaven or on earth, but I know it's coming. You give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. When you serve and when you give to God's kingdom advancement, it changes everything, but it comes from a heart that's been treasured because you know that Jesus came, he died on that cross for you, and then he rose from the dead. Isn't that beautiful? Not just to do it, not just be like, everybody, look what I did. I can do a a trick. I can die on a cross and be raised from the dead. No, it's to take on the sins of the world, to take on darkness and hell so that you wouldn't have to experience that. You could experience the love of the Father. And I hope you've gotten just maybe a smidgen of that. Then that changes your whole mindset when it comes toward kingdom investment. So this morning... I want you to think about this question. Where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Is it here? And is it going to eventually end up at somebody else's house or in the dump? Or is it in heaven where you're ultimately going to go to inherit? If you are not a Christian, everything I said makes almost close to zero sense. But if you are, it makes all the sense in the world. In fact, it makes so much sense that we made a little ritual around it, or rather Jesus instituted a ritual around it, because he wanted us to be reminded of how much we were cherished and loved. See, Jesus, on the night before he was betrayed, he took bread, and then he pulled it out, and he he broke it. He gave it to his disciples. And this is what he's saying. Hey, this is my body given for you. Listen, I know you're going to struggle with, with bread and providing for yourself. But my heart is this, that this bread is my body given for you. In the same way that your stomach feeds on bread, your soul feeds on Jesus. And that's why we take communion. If you're not a Christian, that seems strange. Uh, and if... If you're a Christian, when we, when we take this, we remember that Jesus died on the cross and his blood was shed for us and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. It's one of the most heartwarming, unbelievable, joyful things if you are a follower of Christ. If not, it's really weird to drink somebody's blood or even symbolize it. But if he's life, it means everything. And so I want to challenge, if you're not a Christian here today, um, my heart is... Would you consider opening up your heart and going, Father God, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you even though you've treasured me. Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Make me the person you want me to be. And step into a relationship with your heavenly Father who wants to give you the kingdom. And if you are a Christian, we're going to take communion here in just a second. But before we do, we're going to just take a, a moment to reflect and to pause. And if, and if you have been struggling, listen, you're, you've been struggling 
with your finances and you've, you've been saying, if I only had and I just could and, and you put a lot of those things in, when I finally, and you started to start think, make, talk in language of the rich fool and you said, once we can, we can relax, eat, drink and be merry because it's all about me as opposed to one day I can advance kingdom. Let's change our vocabulary. There's something we need to repent of. Let's just leave it at the cross before we take the Lord's Supper to remember what he did for us and how he treasures us and values us and wants our return of investment to be even greater than a trash dump. He wants it to be invested in our kingdom of heaven where we're going. All right, so let's, uh, we're gonna do something here. We're gonna, we're gonna pray. We're gonna take 30 seconds to uh, have a moment with God to reflect and then we're gonna take the Lord's Supper together. Father, thank you. We ask that you could do even more than we could ever hope for or ask. And I'm praying that for somebody for the very first time, they might step over that line of faith and say, I'm going to take the Lord's Supper because I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me and he rose to the dead and, and I'm invited to the, the heavenly table. God, would you allow us to do that with some people this morning? And Father, for those that are just, they've been Christians for a while, maybe their whole life, but they never thought about you as a father and you wanting to sort of drown out the materialism in their heart and make them a generous people. Not, and that you would bless them, not to raise their standard of living, but perhaps to raise their standard of giving. And that something would happen in them. And they repent from this fear of, I'm not going to have enough, or this fear of somebody I might have more. And they would get on kingdom agenda mindset. We love you, Jesus. I want you to just imagine just for a second what would happen if your view of comfort was something you were looking to delay as opposed to have all the time right now when I want it, when I want it. Imagine what would happen if we viewed our Father in heaven as one who treasured and valued us so much that he would want to give the whole kingdom to us. And imagine if we looked at the kingdom is something that we want to invest in as opposed to push off the date until I had to go there. It would change everything about the way you live, the amount of joy you experience now and the joy you're experiencing later. Would you receive the benediction? Go. Go and be a people who treasure Christ, who value Him because of how much He has valued us. Go and invest everything you have to pushing back against the darkness and watch the kingdom of God expand through you and your life. Go and have an awesome week of worship. You are sent.